Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. If you go to churches or you walk into businesses, often you find they will have a vision statement posted on a wall somewhere. A vision statement is a clear mental picture of a preferred future. The vision statement gives you direction. Your vision is saying, this is what we're working towards. This is what we want to accomplish. For example, in the late 1970s, Microsoft came out with this compelling vision. They said, a computer on every desk and in every home. Do you think they were successful? I do. In fact, a lot of you, most of you are watching right now on your computers, on a desk at home. So vision is very important. It tells us where we're going, what we're headed, what we want to accomplish. In fact, the Bible says this, where there's no vision, the people perish. That's how important a vision is for you and I. Vision is a destination. You know, and we live in a destination town where people from all over the world want to come and and experience Niagara Falls at least once in their life. And I found there's perks to living here. And one of them is this. When you add Niagara Falls to the end of any sentence, it brings um, instant attention uh, that you would not get otherwise. For example, I've done this. I've gone to church conferences out of town or church meetings, and I'm meeting new people, new couples, ministers and their spouses. And we're talking, making small talk. And I'll say, yeah, you know, and I say this in complete honesty. Yeah, you know, I took my wife out to Dairy Queen the other night for a blizzard in Niagara Falls. <laughs> or I'll say, yeah, my wife, I took her out to the park. We went for a walk and we went out for dinner in Niagara Falls. And they're going, wow, like you, you are an awesome husband. And the wife's hitting her husband going, you never take me to Niagara Falls for a date. People are impressed. Um, so a vision is like this driver in the car. If the driver's going to take you somewhere, you need to know where you're going to go. What's the destination? You don't just say drive. You need direction. You need purpose. You need to know why and what you're working towards in life. And it was Zig Ziglar who said this, I believe. He said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every single time. So once you have this vision statement, once you have this preferred destination in mind, you need then a mission statement because the mission lays out how you arrive at this destination, how you um, arrive at this vision. For example, if your vision is to be debt free in three years, You'll need a plan. You'll need a mission statement. You'll have to have some strategies, some clear, precise strategies saying, this is how we're going to accomplish this preferred picture of our future. You just can't say, well, that's what I want, and then do nothing about it. So visions are like these destinations, and and it's a privilege to, to be able to go there and realize it and experience these destinations, but it requires mission. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of preachers out there who would, who would just say, I love to, I would love to preach in Niagara Falls uh, that I get to do every single week. In fact, you know, I got an idea. Um, I don't know. Um, what, what if, what, Dave, what if we went down to Niagara Falls? I just did a little of my sermon down there. Would you be up for that? Let's go. We really could do it. <laughs> really? Cause that's okay. Well, we, we can do this because we can.
So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, we'll do that again. If you want us to go to Caribbean, Mexico, we'll take all your requests. We will preach where you want us to preach from. But a vision statement is a destination. It's getting there, but it requires mission. How are we going to do it? So I like eating a Chick-fil-A. I miss it. I haven't been to Chick-fil-A since last November. And they have great service. All the while, you're eating this good product at a good value, listening to instrumental worship music in the background. Chick-fil-A sells chicken burgers, but it may surprise you that their vision, what they want to accomplish, has nothing to do with chicken burgers. Listen to their vision statement. Chick-fil-A's vision statement is this, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. There's nothing about chicken in their vision statement because their vision isn't about chicken. It's about glorifying God. It's about being a good steward. Chicken is the mission statement. How are we going to do this? We're going to sell chicken at great value and it's, and it's going to be done well. And in this way, we're going to fulfill our vision to glorify God, to be good stewards of what he's entrusted us with and they do it so well. They win so many awards. Uh, we so this morning we want to make it personal. We want to want to look into the Word of God and say, okay, vision and mission. How does that apply to me? So we're going to look at the life. Well, we looked at the life of Simon Peter earlier earlier this morning, and uh, Peter, like a lot of people, had this small inward looking vision for his life. From what we know about him, what we read about him before he met Jesus, his mission was quite simple. It was basically, uh, you know, I want to sustain life with the basic necessities of life. I know shelter and food and, and uh, this, is, this is my vision. I want to be able to do this well. And his mission, the means to accomplishing that end was to fish for fish. The fish would be the means, the mission to accomplish his vision uh, in his life. So we read this morning how in one particular day, Peter had come in from a night of fishing and caught nothing. And this would have been very troublesome for him. He was unsuccessful in his mission, and now he's cleaning his nets. He's putting them away so they would dry. He's rolling them up. And Jesus comes along and says to Peter, let's go back out and fish. <laughs> this is what Jesus says. This is what we read. Jesus said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So Peter is, is an experienced fisherman. From all accounts, Jesus wasn't. He was a carpenter by trade, not a fisherman. Peter knew if he had already fished all night and caught nothing, the chances of catching any fish now were, were nil because fish at nighttime would rise up from the cool waters to the surface where they could catch them in their nets. And the same that when the sun came out in the day and the waters at the top began to heat, the fish would go back down out of reach of their nets. So what Jesus was asking Peter to do made no sense. And yet we hear Peter's response. Listen to this. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And we heard this morning how the story finished. Peter indeed caught not just some fish, uh, the largest catch in his life, and, and so much so the nets were running the risk of bursting. So let's look and let's apply and examine our own lives. Let's look at the life of Peter and see some of the small steps he had to put in action that he had to negotiate before he realized this 
uh, catch of all these fish. So in your sermon notes, number one, in living out your mission, Jesus may ask you to do something and you don't understand why, but you obey anyways. You let down your nets. Sometimes what God asks us to do doesn't make much sense in the moment. I was thinking back when I was a young pastor uh, in my very first church, there was a couple that had moved from the city, um, Brian and Diane. And they moved to a small rural area where I was pastoring and, and they were not married and they lived together and they had two boys in, um, in school. And they began to attend our church and I really liked them. They're this very sweet, nice people, easily, easy to get to know and, and to hang out with. And eventually after they attend church, we got to know them. They gave their life to Christ. They trusted the Lord as the savior of their life. And, and after that, they decided, you know, we want to get married. We want to include God in this union that we've begun already. We want his blessing. So I had the privilege of marrying them. And they would uh, invite all their friends, most of them unbelievers from the city, and they would come to this wedding. I remember working on their message. I remember where I, where I was in Red Bay, Ontario, just walking by the water and working on this message when God impressed upon me that he wanted me to make this particular point in this message at their wedding. And it wasn't the kind of point that, it wasn't something you want to share maybe at this wedding time of celebration. Uh, you know, a wedding is a celebration where there's joyous union of man and a woman. And we look ahead with anticipation, with hope, with joy. And God wanted me to share this point. Listen to it. Magnify the consequences of being unfaithful. He said, I want you in this wedding message, magnify the consequences of being unfaithful. And at a wedding, you're cheerful, you're encouraged. And I'm coming with this message of gloom and doom saying, weigh the consequences of what happens when you're being unfaithful in a marriage relationship. So I went back, uh, I actually went back this week and found that message in my files which I preached those many, maybe 25 years ago. And this is what I said, it learned, you know, listen to this. I said that day at this wedding, joyous occasion, what I want you to understand is that when you are unfaithful, the consequences are going to be so much more severe than you could ever imagine. <laughs> I believe if you could see the consequences, if you could keep from being emotionally and physically entangled, I believe if you could see those consequences, you would keep from being entangled in, in, in an emotional or physical affair. Proverbs 6.32 says, The one who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys his own soul. Powerful, isn't it? What does it mean? Nothing damages the emotions like adultery. Nothing. The one thing you hear from people who have been unfaithful, who are now sitting with tears flowing down their face is this. If I could just turn back the clock, if I could just have that one day over again, and you can't turn back the clock. I'm telling you, and I'm, this is what I'm preaching. I'm telling you, the reason I preach a message like this is I want to help you on the front end because I'm telling you, my friend, when you get back on the back end, it's too late. It's too late for, it's not too late for God's forgiveness. God will forgive you for any unfaithful act that you've ever had. God will forgive you for any sin that you have done when you're truthfully sorrowful and remorseful and repentant. God forgives all sin. And I'm glad for that, aren't you? But I want to tell you, you still pay the consequences. And the best way not to get involved in the whole process is to understand and magnify the consequences now in the front end of that decision. 
Look what it says in Proverbs 6, 26. Adultery will cost a man all he has. That's a bit of it. Upbeat, isn't it? Doesn't want you to say, hey, let's invite Mark to do our family wedding. Woo, that's going to be a, that's going to be a great wedding. And so I visited Brian and Diane a little after their wedding. And, and I told her, I know that message was awkward and easy. And, and what I said, I've never said that at a wedding before, but I just felt God really wanted me to share that at your wedding. And she said, yeah, it was an uneasy moment. It wasn't what we're expecting, expected. But she said, I've got to tell you this. One of my close friends who came from the city, an unbeliever, came to that wedding and, and wanted to talk to me afterwards. And she, she told Diane she had decided that she was going to leave her husband. And she made up her mind that she's going to go. So she decided, well, I'm going to wait till after the wedding because I don't want to our breakup to be a distraction from your beautiful day. But I told myself as soon as this wedding is over, I'm breaking up with my husband. But then she said, your pastor began to preach this message about how horrible the consequences of adultery. And, and it just began to hit her. And she began to think about it. She realized what decision would mean to her kids. And it caused her to look down the road for the first time. And she saw this was not a good decision. So she said, I, she said to Diane, I sat at your wedding and I made the decision to commit, to recommit to my marriage and not abandon, to work out what are the problems. And I thought, wow, really? God is so good um, that he wanted me to share this point. And now I got to realize why, because sometimes you don't understand why, but you obey anyways. You let down your nets. That's the point. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Small step number two. In living out your mission, Jesus may ask you to risk something. When the fisherman came in from the night of fishing, his work was not finished yet. He has to, you know, if he has fish, clean the fish. He has to uh, clean the nets. He has to let them dry, then roll them up. And then he has to go to sleep if he's going to go out again the following night. So when Jesus asked Peter and said, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish, there was more at stake here than what we first realized. Peter would have to drag his nets back out again after spending considerable time cleaning them, mending them, letting them dry and rolling them up. If he did what Jesus was asking him, he'd have to go back out fishing without any sleep and come back into the shore and clean his nets again and mend them and dry them and roll them back up. And that would cost him time. More than that, he would not be able to, to fish again that evening because he would lost a whole day of sleep. There's no way he can be up for 48 hours. So this would cost him financially. So there were a lot of costs. To do what Jesus was asking Peter to do, man, he'd be risking his reputation. Now you think about it. Peter, the other fisherman would see Peter after coming in, catching nothing and mending his nets and cleaning his nets and drying his nets and rolling them up, going back out again in the daytime when the fish aren't there. Like what happened to Peter? Like what's he doing? He's got Jesus with him. What does he think? What happened to him? Others would have ridiculed him for sure. His reputation would be at risk. So in this casual statement of Jesus, which calls Peter to go deeper, Peter had to make a series of decisions in his life. It's a series of risks. Number one, I will have to risk my reputation to do what Jesus asks of me. I have to risk my finances to do what Jesus is asking of me. I will have to risk my time and I may lose rest to do what Jesus is calling me to do. 
So Craig Rochelle says this, what is always true is that the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell about our lives tomorrow. People not, don't always realize the tough decisions that you are making and, and sometimes unknown to everybody else and just you and God and, and the quiet, the tough decisions you're making to realize this big vision. I, I remember a very important part of my life that no one would know about unless I, I would tell you. I was uh, graduating after, a, uh, um, just coming up to graduation after a five-year um, stint at a theological degree. and was very tough. And at the very end, I was staying. I remember I was married. Glenda was asleep. And I knew I either had to write a paper or do an exam. And it required that I have to stay up all night. And I've done all-nighters before, but I was exhausted. I'm tired. I'm near the end of this degree. I'm working the day, going to school in the day. And I'm trying to, you know, got to stay up again to get this done or I will not graduate. And I remember I was sitting at the desk in, in the office of where, where we lived. And it must have been three or four in the morning. And I just, I was just broke down and started crying. It was just so difficult. I said, I got to do this. I want to quit. I just love to go into to the bed and lie down and fall asleep. And, but I can't because if I do, I will not accomplish the vision that, that I believe God has called me. And I'm, I'm a part of uh, in, in this journey of my life. And so at that night, three in the morning, I made this promise to myself and I'll never forget it. I said, Mark, never forget how hard this was. When you have your degree, when you're pastoring in a church, never forget how hard this moment was. Go back and remember it and celebrate it. Say, that was tough, but look where I am today. That's what a lot of life is like. We get our big visions, but requires these simple little decisions that we need to make. So number three, and living out your vision, Jesus may give you a bigger vision. In fact, he will often give you a bigger vision to follow. So let's recap our story. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Peter, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let my nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. So up to this point, Peter has this small inward vision. He simply wanted to make a livelihood for himself. He would do this. He would fulfill this vision by uh, simply fishing. I fish for fish. That's my mission statement. I fish for fish. That's how I'm fulfilling my vision to, to, to live. Jesus shows up. And Peter comes to learn that by trusting in Jesus and doing what Jesus says, he would be very successful in carrying out this mission of fishing for fish. Peter learned that on his own meant no fish. Peter with Jesus means the biggest catch of fish in his life. But then Jesus seeks to enlarge Peter's vision for his life. After Peter drags in the largest haul of fish is ever known or ever seen, ever experienced, we read this. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and follow Jesus. Peter was set on fishing for fish, but now Jesus says, no, I have a larger vision for your life. He says, you've been fishing for fish. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. You're gonna be part of my kingdom work, God's kingdom work. This will have eternal significance, not only in your life, but in the lives of many others. Jesus calls Peter to join him in the kingdom work of God. And Peter went from seeking fish 
to seeking the salvation of people. And that decision meant so much for Peter. I've mentioned before that, you know, if we could have gone back to Peter that day on the shore and he's just wearing rugged clothes and it smells of fish and no one knows who he is. And I said, Peter, one day they're going to name cities after you. There'll be churches named after you. There'll be people named after you. You go, what? What do you mean? I'm just a fisherman, just fishing for fish. And we'll say, no, but because you accepted Jesus' call to fish for people, you're going to be writing part of the New Testament of God's word. You're going to be helping people. Your people are going to be saved because of your words. They're going to be helped because of your words. Wow. Jesus calls Peter to join him in his kingdom work. And Peter went from seeking fish to seeking the salvation of people. He went from a small vision to the greatest vision of mankind. And Jesus will do that to you as well. We're in our little world, our little vision. It's about me and Jesus said, come on, I want to make it larger than that. I want your life to count for something much more significant with eternal consequences. And this is important. The final point in living out your vision, Jesus will call you back when you drift away. See, Peter was engaged now in this big vision that Jesus had for him. He's preaching, he's with him, he's watching Jesus heal, and and, and he's doing all of these things. He's, He's healing himself, he's casting out demons. He's doing God's business, not his own business. His vision is large. But then circumstances suddenly changed in Peter's life, as they do in our life as well. Jesus was suddenly arrested, falsely accused, falsely tried and killed and crucified as a criminal. And this setback caused Peter to go back to his small mission and vision for life. He denied knowing Jesus three times, cursed knowing him and returned fishing for fish. Jesus, he rises from the grave victorious as part of his plan, part of his vision. This, this was the cross as part of the mission to realize his vision that give us the salvation but Peter, he went back fishing um, for fish. In John 21, we read this. One day, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. That's where I'm at. That's who I am now. I was over here, big vision, I'm going back to small vision. And just as others followed Peter, when he went out into the deep the first time, he had his partners there with him. They're following him today as well, because we read this in the, next, in the same verse. Disciples, other disciples said, we'll come too. They all said, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. They fished all night and caught nothing. They're going, doesn't this seem familiar? Haven't we done this before? You know, and, and, and then suddenly we read this. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And Jesus calls out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And the light bulb went off. (laughs) Peter recognizes this is Jesus, and he runs to the shore, gets to the shore, and they have some breakfast together. And Jesus wants to enlarge Peter's vision again because he's drifted away. We read this. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. This is how he did it. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Not fish for fish, but feed my lambs. Do the work of the kingdom that I called you to do. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, but Peter denied him three times. Jesus getting him the opportunity to reinstate his vision for his life again. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Why do we tell the story? Why is this included in the Bible? Because you may be in a position right now where Jesus will have this kind of conversation with you. Uh, he wants to enlarge your vision to what really matters in life. You might have this little small inward vision that just sustains you know, these years on earth, but God wants to call you to something larger with eternal significance. He has gifted you and given you opportunity uh, to do something even more. And as you hear that, or maybe you've heard that you're counting the cost of being obedient. You, you realize the risk. You realize what he's asking you, how this is going to cost you time. Maybe might be finances, maybe a reputation as it did with Peter. And you may be facing taller, smaller decisions right now that people will never know. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to realize this, there are these little, small, tough decisions I'm going to have to make in my life. If I'm going to realize the big vision God has called me to. And you may have to stop and you'll have to develop a plan, a strategy, a mission statement for how will I arrive? How can I work with God to arrive where he's calling me to go? What is to the destination that he is speaking into my life? And so for our take two today, I want you to spend that time with him, two minutes and, and ask God, what is one thing you want me to know today? Are you calling me? Have I been ignoring it? Am I counting the cost? Am I, am, I, am I too afraid? Just be open and trust him. Let him speak into your life if he wants to enlarge the vision for your life. And then say, God, what would you have me to do about it? Let's, let's work on this mission together. Let's develop a strategy together. Just not say this is what I want, but how can we accomplish this? How, what steps can we take today to realize it? Can I pray with you? Lord, you're in the business of calling us. I mean, all throughout the scripture and and in our lives, you call us, God, to greater things, uh, bigger things than just years on earth, things that will influence people for years to come, influence them for eternity, God, not just for temporary things here. And God, if you're calling any of us today, God, maybe for the mission field, maybe into the ministry, maybe to be part of some sort of ministry, maybe use our giftings, God, you've given us. We know it, but we have not yet put them into action. God, would you just allow us to quiet ourselves and just listen to you and hear from you, hear your reassurance, just sit us down and say, do you love me? And we do. And you'll say, okay, feed my sheep. Trust me. I pray, God, that we would use this time wisely, reverently, as we hear and listen from you in Jesus' name. Amen.
listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.